Welcome to the hills. All of you in person at West Fort Worth campus, Keller campus, Northwestern Hills campus, all of you watching online. Now, if you're watching online, uh, we go across the world of the nation, but if you're within a few states of us, a few hours of Fort Worth, guys, I want you to in, come to the men's conference. It's not just for men at our church. It's for men across our city and our state and several states. Load up a van, bring some buddies. It will bless you. It'll bless your family. It'll bless your church for months to come. Can't wait for that. We're a church with a mission. We got it from Jesus to make and grow followers of Jesus. But our mission is pursued with a particular vision that we call asking for nations and generations. One way we're trying to make a difference in the next generation is by blessing children in the foster system. It's part of our goal to see 25 families in the next five years consider fostering and to raise up 100 people in our church that would help families who are fostering. If God is putting that on your heart, next Sunday night, we have a dinner at the North Richard Hills campus. Uh, it's a meet and greet dinner and childcare provided. You just need to register with Amber Bays. You're not committing to anything. You're just learning and pursuing what God might have in store for you. So pray about that as we try to bless the next generation. So last Sunday, I started a series called Soul Full. I shared with you the last several years, the hugest burden on my heart as a pastor has been to see how tired and worn out people seem to be. Our souls are how we commune with God. If we lose our souls, we lose our connection to God. So I anticipated there would be response to the sermon. I underestimated just how much there was. I just want to say, if you have a tired soul, you are not alone. We intentionally created a resource page. Just go to our website. You'll see the word soulful on the front page for several weeks and a link that says learn more. And you have a list of some of the books I've read that were most helpful to me uh, of some of the Bible studies you could pursue. Uh, discussion questions for your community group and for your family. This is important. If you don't process with others what I'm talking about, nothing is going to change. Because listen again, our souls are not tired because we're just going through a season. Our souls are tired because we have accepted as normal a lifestyle that is not healthy for them. So the goal of the series is not to produce shame. It's to redirect blame and decide we're going to accept Jesus' invitation to do life differently. That's what he invited us to in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus knows our souls are tired. And he says, let me teach you. That implies we're going to have to learn some things and we're going to have to start doing some things different if we want rested souls. And when Jesus taught, it wasn't just with exhortation. It was with example. We said last week, if you want the life of Jesus, you're going to have to start practicing the lifestyle of Jesus. And one of the most consistent rhythms in Jesus' life was the practice of Sabbath. 
And so today we're just going to explore what does it mean to receive God's gift of Sabbath. And let me say at the start, don't think so much about a day as a way. That Sabbath is an orientation that God built into creation himself. Now, you understand that every ancient people group had a creation narrative. Genesis 1 is not unique in that respect. Every people group is going to answer two questions. How did we get here and why are we here? The difference between the Genesis narrative is stark. For one thing, it's the only ancient creation narrative that says matter and the human body are good, not evil. It's the only creation story where women are created equal image bearers of God as men. No other ancient story treats women that way. And for our purposes today, this is really important. It's the only creation narrative that says you are more than just how much you can work. Remember, what are the two questions? Why are we here? How did we get here? All the ancient narratives of the peoples in the past said, you were made by the gods to work for the gods. You were made to accomplish by working to the bone the fiats and the wishes and the agendas of the gods. And there is nothing in any other ancient creation narrative about a day off or about caring if you need to rest. You were made to slave for the gods. Then you get the Genesis story. And man is created on the sixth day. What is his first full day? The seventh day. His whole assignment was to rest and just enjoy fellowship with his creator. Notice how the seventh day is described in Genesis 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God called every day good, but only one day did he call holy. Only one day did he bless the seventh day, the day that God rested. Now, what does that mean? Because God doesn't get tired. No, what God is doing is intentionally grounding his creation in an orientation. God himself is modeling how he intends for his creation to function. And this is why you get to the book of Exodus and Moses gives people 10 commandments. When he talks about Sabbath, he doesn't bring up a new thing. He says, we're going back to the way it was meant to be from the beginning. Look what he says. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Like I said, there is no other creation account like this. That man gets to rest. That he exists for a purpose besides just slaving for his God. 
The God of the Bible gives Sabbath to man. What did Jesus say over and over? The Sabbath was made for man. And nowhere in the Bible does it indicate God has taken his gift back because our souls need rest to be their best. This is how God established things from the start. Our souls need rest to be their best. Think about this. Where did all the peoples of the world come up with an idea of a seven-day week? All our other time units are tied to the heavens. We decide a day is tied to the revolution of the globe. That the month is tied to the moon's lunar cycle. That a year is tied to the rotation or orbit of the planet around the sun. But where did we come up with the idea that seven days is a week, that you need to work about six days, and by then, if you don't rest, things aren't going to go well. Where does that come from? You see, built into creation is a principle. Rest every seventh day. Now, some have tried to defy it. The French Revolution in the 1790s, they were going to get rid of God, and so they said, we're going to get rid of the seven-day week. We're going to go to a 10-day week because it'll be more productive. Work nine days, rest one day. Almost immediately, productivity declined. So did physical and mental health. And what they learned is you can ignore God. You cannot ignore the way he set up creation to work. Now, I'm going to date myself. Nobody under 40 is going to understand what I'm about to say. But I am old enough to remember when our society generally cooperated with the idea of weekly rest. When I was a boy, you could not shop on Sunday. Businesses were closed. I played a lot of youth sports as a kid, but the idea of playing youth sports on Sunday was preposterous. Now we have a new normal. A new normal that seems more like it's grounded in the pagan creation stories than in the biblical one. The new normal is every single day you should do and do and do and do and do and do and do until your soul is just done. The new normal is killing us. We go along to get along, but our souls are not designed to flourish at the kind of pace we have normalized. Because the Sabbath principle is built into creation. And if we insist on living against the grain of creation, we should not complain when we get splinters. See, Jesus never saw Sabbath as a rule, some dutiful thing to obey. Jesus saw Sabbath as a gift from a good God who wants his children to flourish. And that's how we should see it too. So let me challenge you to rethink a little bit about what Sabbath is like by showing you four purposes of Sabbath. And here's the first. Sabbath is a command to relax. 
that God expects us to intentionally create space to enjoy what we have instead of always striving for more. And by the way, are you in a sphere of influence over others? You're to create space for others too. Your employees, your students, your children. Look again at what Moses said. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. See, God wants us to spend at least one day a week at the speed of stop. And it's grounded in a profound theological truth I'm about to share with you. So years ago, I saw a movie called Rudy about a young man who tried to walk on and play on the Notre Dame football team. There is a wonderful scene in this movie where Rudy sees clarity and wisdom from his priest. And in that scene, the priest says something brilliant. He says, young man, I am certain of two things. There is a God and I'm not him. Sabbath is built on the truth. There is a God and you can't be God. See, this goes back to the beginning. What was the original lie? Satan said, why can't you be God? Why can't you do what you want and be like God? And we're dying by living that lie. But think about it. You want to bring in someone to speak to your employees or your clients, who do you hire? You hire the person that sells the lie. Be all you can be. You can have it all. You can reach your full potential. Nothing can stop you. We don't hire the speaker that says you're a creature and you have limits. So accept your finiteness, but that is the truth. You can't have it all. You can't do it all. You can't fix everybody, and you can't fix everything. And I'm not going to tell it to you. There's some stuff on your bucket list you're never going to get to. You are going to die with some of your projects undone and some of your goals unreached. You're welcome. <laughs> but God will still be on the throne, and the universe will still work even when you don't. So on Sabbath, we hear the Spirit of God say, just chill, relax, stop working, not just physically, in your mind and in your heart, because some of you leave the office, but you don't leave work behind. It's a command to relax. But chill doesn't necessarily mean still. The second big idea of Sabbath, you're going to like this. Sabbath is an opportunity to replenish. You see, we're made in God's image, which means we're creators. So all week long, we're creating. We need some space and time after a week of creating to be recreated. We need to recreate. Solomon has this book of wisdom called Ecclesiastes. And in one chapter, a beautiful song, there's a time for everything under the sun. There's a time to work. There's a time to not work. And at the end of this song, he wraps it all up with this conclusion. He says, people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. See, 
Sabbath is not about what you can't do. Sabbath is about the things you get to do you can't do the rest of the week. It's not about takeaways. It's about things you get to add. It's, it's a time to discard the have-tos and embrace the get-tos. Sabbath is a day where you make time to see your friends. Sabbath is a day when you have a meal, not just any meal. It's the meal of all that stuff your wife won't let you have the rest of the week. And you don't rush the meal, but you take a long time and enjoy it. Sabbath is a day when you pursue your hobby. The Talmud, which was the rabbinical interpretation of the law of Moses and commentary on it, the Talmud commanded Jewish couples to make love on the Sabbath. Somewhere there's a husband. (laughs) Somewhere there's a husband who just perked up and said, now you got my attention, Pastor. You see, it's not a day for obligation. Sabbath is a day for recreation. Now, last week, some people made fun of me because I quoted Ice Cube. Like, folks, I have a life. I don't just do things in my spare time like read Bible commentaries, okay? So I am going to share with you now a quote from another of my favorite uh, authors. In fact, I think one of the greatest philosophers of the 20th century. This is what he said. Don't underestimate the value of doing nothing, of just going along, listening to all the things you cannot hear and not bothering. Don't underestimate the value of a day where you're not measuring it by the metrics of production, but by just what brings joy to your heart. Who said this? he get it. Winnie the Pooh, (laughs) a brilliant bear, much smarter than Yogi, in my opinion. There are some times when you just need a day where the whole goal was to enjoy your pot of honey. So, what's your pot of honey? What fills your cup? What delights your soul? For some of you, it's taking a nap. Somebody else is taking a walk. For somebody, it's reading a book and somebody, it's riding a bike. For somebody, it's grilling a steak and somebody else, it's tilling a garden. Don't be legalistic here and judge anybody else. We all have our ways to fill our cup. Some of you work hard all week in physical labor, and your Sabbath needs to be to find a hammock. And some of you sit behind a screen all day at a desk, and you need to get out on Sabbath and just break into a good sweat. What brings you delight? Sabbath is a day to be enjoyed and It's a day to enjoy God most of all. That's the third thing. Sabbath is a time to remember. A forgetful soul is a restless soul. I'll tell you a day we all Sabbath. If you're old enough, it was 9-12. The day after 9-11. All of us Sabbath. We didn't go to work. We didn't answer emails. We didn't fly. We didn't shop. We hugged our family. We reached out to our friends. We even made up with some people that we needed to reconcile with. We put aside the urgent on 9-12. And we focused on the important. Sabbath is the only one of the Ten Commandments that starts with the word remember. And one reason is because the whole primary function of Sabbath is to help us remember. 
that our souls need time and space and margin to reorient around what is most important. Like Jesus did. Sabbath was important to Jesus. It said in Luke 4, he traveled to Nazareth where he had grown up. And on Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue as he always did and stood up to read. Part of the rhythm of the life of Jesus was to observe Sabbath. Sabbath reminds us of our story, of where we get our identity. Sabbath reminds us we're not what we do, but who we're loved by. Sabbath reminds us to seek first the kingdom of God. I've shared stories before about the life of Eric Little, a man I admire. 1924, it's the Paris Olympics. He is the favorite for the gold in the 100 meters. He was considered the fastest man in the world. But that race was scheduled for Sunday. Eric, a committed Christian, believed Sunday was for God, not for games, and announced he would not run. They made a movie about his life called Chariots of Fire. In that movie, there's this awesome scene where Eric is brought in before the British Olympic Committee. And the prince is there. The future king of England is in the room and they're trying to persuade him to change his mind. But he politely but resolutely affirms that he will not run on Sunday. And when he leaves the room, someone inside says rather contemptuously, you would think that he would want to honor his king. And someone else says wisely, I think he believes that he is honoring his king. All week long, we get harassed by the urgent. It's urgent that you answer that email. It is urgent that you make that sale. And it's urgent that you get that lesson plan done. We need a space every week where we step back and separate the urgent from the most important. And when we keep Sabbath, it has a way of kind of keeping us. And that's the last big idea about Sabbath. It's a form of resistance. Think about it. Why are there still Jewish people around? Why didn't they just assimilate and disappear like the Amorites and the Hittites? And the rabbis will say Sabbath. In fact, they will say Sabbath has kept the Jews better than the Jews have kept the Sabbath. You see, we need to push back from the narratives of our culture. And having a Sabbath orientation helps us do that. That's why it's interesting to me, the children of Israel are about to enter the promised land. They're about to enter a land with new gods and new religions and new narratives. And Moses re-gives the Ten Commandments in the book of Deuteronomy. But this time, he doesn't ground Sabbath in creation. Look what he does. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there by his great power and strength. So the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. See what he does? He's not grounding it in creation. He's grounding Sabbath in liberation. You know what it's like to be slaves. You know what it's like to work under a taskmaster. You know what it's like where your only value is how many bricks can you crank out a week? Don't get seduced into that kind of life again. Sabbath declares 
our value is not determined by our production. By Sabbath, we resist the narrative of our culture that says you are important based on your accomplishment or your accumulation. How much have you done and how much have you acquired? And God wants us to live out from under the pressure of these taskmasters. Every week, it's work more, buy more, repeat. Work more, buy more, repeat. Work more, buy more, repeat. And it will just wear out your soul. You see, Sabbath was never a rule. It was a refuge. It was a gift. It was God inviting us into a life of freedom from all the exhausting narratives out there that everyone calls normal. God gave us Sabbath to save our souls. But embracing a Sabbath orientation in this current climate is going to be hard. And it's going to be counter-cultural. You will not drift into a pace of life that honors Sabbath. But where will your soul drift if you don't? Because here's a truth we all need to face. One way or the other, Sabbath is coming. Now, it can come as delight as we receive it. It can come as discipline if we refuse it. Sometimes the shepherd has to make the sheep lie down. Because it's the only way the sheep will ever rest. Has God done that to you? Maybe it was a specific intervention. Or maybe God just allowed you to experience the reality of trying to fight creation. And when you fight creation, you lose. But Sabbath is coming. You can choose it. Or you can refuse it. But either way, Sabbath is coming. Like I said, I don't know anyone who just accidentally started honoring Sabbath. And I don't know anyone who intentionally started honoring Sabbath and changed their mind. Who decided it wasn't a good idea. Sabbath is good for the soul. Now let me be real candid. I told you last week that when I started thinking about this series last July, I told my wife, here's my concern. 100% of my audience is going to agree our souls are tired. 98% are going to agree here are some things we can do to help our souls. But only a small percentage are going to have the courage to make any changes in how they actually do 
life. So what are we going to do with this lesson? One thing we're not going to do is beat ourselves up. Not trying to make anyone feel guilty. I know I'm preaching to a single mom who's working three jobs just to feed her kids. I know some of you are taking care of aging parents and it's exhausting. I'm not going to tell a mother with little kids, you know what, one day a week, you just need to not change diapers and cook food. But even though we're not Hebrews in an agrarian society, I do believe there are ways that we could take one day a week and make it different than the other days. And I remind you, Sabbath is not just a day. It's a, it's a way to live and think about every day. So for a moment, let's talk about some steps that we might take to get us into that orientation, like worshiping corporately every week. Jesus did. If anyone ever lived who said, I don't need to go meet with other people to worship God, it was Jesus, but he did. You could make that a priority to set aside time every week to meet with other people to separate the urgent from the important. How about this? How about being intentional about being off work? There's a time to go home, be fully present with the people you love, and let work wait till tomorrow. How about making space in your calendar every week to do something that just fills your cup? It's a non-negotiable. It's a priority. And you don't feel guilty because you went fishing for a couple of hours or got a good workout in or just took a nap. Or what if you learn to take pauses every day and just still your spirit before a meal, before you get out of bed, before you walk into that meeting? Actually, on our resource page, there's an app called Pause that I've started using. And several times a day, I just stop and still my spirit. What if you created tech-free times and zones? I know families who say one day a week we don't do screens. What if you said, no more phone with me at a meal. For 45 minutes, I can let the person in front of me be the most important thing. What if you put your phone to bed two hours before you went to bed? Or for that matter, what if you just went to bed earlier? God did not create the late, late show. Don't feel guilty that you can't keep the ideal Sabbath. But listen, do something before you do everything. Make a decision. I'm going to make at least one change in my way of doing life this week to take better care of my soul. Because remember, this is not a season. It's a lifestyle. And Jesus wants to teach us to do life differently. He wants us to step into the kind of life God intended for us from the beginning. And by the way, nobody should know this and model this better than we do. Nobody should. I love the true story I heard a mother tell. 
at a church that takes communion every Sunday like we do. And her five-year-old is just intently watching dad take communion. And he got a puzzled look. And he leans over to mom and says, what is in that stuff? Dad takes it every week and goes straight to sleep. <laughs> you know what I've decided? It used to bug me. People sleep in my sermon. Now I've decided if that's good for your soul, if that's what you need to do to rest, you just go right ahead. <laughs> people that do church should be experts on how to do chill. When someone dies, we say, God, rest your soul. You don't have to wait until you die for your soul to get some rest. You really can live that way. It's what God wanted for you from the very beginning. So do something for me right now by your head. We're going to practice what I preach. We're going to take a moment or two and just rest our souls. Be still. Just bow your head. I want you to take two or three really deep breaths. And rest. I want you to rest in God's love for you. You don't have to work for God's love. You don't have to strive. It's who you are. It is your core identity. You are loved by God. And you don't have to do anything for Him to love you. Just rest in that a moment. Let that bless your soul. Thank you, God, for who you are. All the other gods wanted humans just to use. And from the very beginning, you created us to flourish and to be blessed. It must break your heart to see us living lives that are so fried and tired, so far from what you wanted for us. Give us the courage to make some changes and to receive your gifts instead of resisting them. And Jesus, we take you up on your offer. We would like some rest for our souls. And so we're listening. Teach us what we need to do. We thank you and pray in your name. Amen.